Hooray! Um, hello, you guys. Welcome back to How Come. We are not coming to you from Nanny's house this week, unfortunately. But fortunately, we are coming from another type of Nanny's house. Our guest this week, she's wonderful. She's an actress, comedian, writer, cancer survivor, and activist. She is best known for starring in and co-creating the hit TV series, The Nanny, which she was nominated for two Emmy Awards and two Golden Globes. And she's gorgeous. And I know as a feminist, like, you're not supposed to say that, but like, she is. And it's crazy to look at her. <laughs> in person. You guys, welcome Fran Drescher. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome to my humble abode. I love this abode. I love Samson. I know. Samson, we're going to hear in the background. Stop it. He's so cute. <laughs> How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Cause I can do it by myself I wanna just I feel honored Apparently he's not very friendly to most He is friendly But, but then he, he also he's particular yes. Yeah But he gave me a licking And That's now I feel nice. like I don't You've need anything accepted, else this But then week. That, that doesn't mean to trust him I won't <laughs> it just means you've seen a side of him That is his good side And he shows that mostly He's great yeah, I love him. He's just like my ex-husband. He's handsome. Mm-hmm. He's smart. He's funny, but he bites. <laughs> Does the ex bite? Well, figuratively. Mm. He's why he's called the ex. <laughs> you have a call, Samson. Look at that body. Look at the tiny ears. He's the cutest little Pomeranian, you guys. <gasps> and he smiles. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Well, we, I mean, I met you first with Charlotte. We went to your Cancer Schmancer event last year on the that boat, was which was an amazing event. And we have another so one fun. coming up this June 24th. So Unreal. It's going to be great. We have stand-up comics this year, too. And you're now a stand-up comic, too. I know. Which is I know. amazing. Well, I do it like 10 minutes, maybe. But I feel obligated to, um, you know, share and with everybody why they're here mm-hmm. and what we do do they, do they still have tickets for this year they available do. okay they amazing do. go to org and click on the cabaret dinner cruise and get your tickets it's yeah. a guaranteed incredible incredible night. time yeah and your gay ex-husband was one of the performers here yeah he's like my mascot he stripped down yes, to his skivvies yeah. and now we understand why you allowed him to be your ex-husband, ex-husband yes, yeah yes he's actually looks better since he turned gay that's the rules when he was straight yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah everything is different <laughs> um but you guys still have like an amazing relationship i know that there were like we bumps and a rocky road yeah well you know we had to split up to really find ourselves mm-hmm. And because we'd been together since we were 15. I know. So he had to really come to terms with his true orientation. Right. And he couldn't do it with me and he didn't really want to end the relationship. Mm -hmm. But his need to control himself spilled over onto needing to control me. And And I was feeling terribly suffocated. And I was the one that needed to get out and find myself. Right. Because I'd really never, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, I was my parents' daughter and his 
you know, girlfriend and wife. And mm-hmm. I'd never lived on my own. I never backpacked through Europe. Mm-hmm. I never even went to freaking summer camp. Yeah. So I didn't really know who I was. And I was very much stuck in the, uh, you know, reactive responses of uh, being other people's caregivers, needing to be needed, mm. not really paying attention to my own needs or even understanding them. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy in entertainment because you kind of have to put yourself first and be like... Well, that's what I liked about acting because that was my license to feel whatever the writer wrote, but it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Me, I didn't give myself... You didn't have the permission. myself that... Yeah, permission, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Now I do. That was one of the silver linings of having cancer. Really? I had to get freaking cancer to make it about me. Many silver, silver uterine, uterine linings. linings yeah. Which doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Right. Yeah, I got to... What I think is the craziest thing about your cancer is that you were misdiagnosed for like... Two years years and eight eight doctors with uterine cancer. I got in the stirrups more times than Django. (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. And we talk about like doctors misdiagnosing or not believing women's pain a lot. Um, What did they think it was? I kept going to different doctors because they were putting me on hormone replacement therapy and it wasn't working because everybody collectively kept misdiagnosing me for a perimenopausal condition that I didn't have when all the while I had cancer. And because I'm a, you know, a uh, producer and control freak, Mm -hmm. I uh, just kept thinking, no, you, this isn't right. You're not, I'm not feeling better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I actually felt worse. And by doctor number eight, she was so convinced it was a hormone imbalance. She put me on some kind of an estrogen hormone replacement therapy that exacerbated my symptoms exponentially. And I started bleeding 24 seven and I said, this can't be right. And you know, she was in um, Chicago doing a talk show. The woman had a better career than I did. And she said, okay, well, stop it. It's probably just the wrong amount I gave you. But just to be on the safe side, we'll do an endometrial biopsy. Well, that was what Dr. Number One said I was too young for. Mm-hmm. And instead of me questioning what would that prove or disprove, I was just so thrilled to be too young for anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never asked. But then that indeed was the test yeah. that, uh, you know, diagnosed me. I would have and, the same thought. I'd be like, oh, sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm too young. Well, That's fine. Oh, well. Yeah. I guess Especially in TV. I guess I feel I'm a better now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I feel like endometriosis and endometrial lining is something that like I'd never even heard of until like the last three years of like infomercials. Like if you've been diagnosed with endometriosis. Wow, you never had any girlfriend that had endometriosis? No. Oh, I did. Or maybe nobody talked about who was... It's usually very painful, Mm -hmm. particularly around your menstrual cycle. And so one of the treatments that they used to give, I don't know if they still do, is to put you on a birth control pill that you never get off except four times a year because actually having your period makes it worse really but i don't you know i mean i don't know now they have robotic surgery Mm -hmm. and that tends to efficiently clean you out Mm -hmm. of the scar tissue it's like it just keeps building up scar tissue it sounds super painful it is painful and you know i mean difficult to live with. And then with the cancer, you have to have an entire hysterectomy. I did. I did. And also, 
they prophylactically remove my appendix, which I didn't even know about. So FYI, I think if you are going in for surgery and you're usually going to sign that document that gives the doctor the right to do what they think needs to be done, right? Only what pertains directly to the problem mm-hmm. at hand and not any extra stuff because, um, They'll you just know, remove your appendix. they thought that removing the appendix would prevent it from potential infection because they opened up my abdomen Mm -hmm. and they thought you don't need your appendix anyway so let's remove it and by the way i'm sure they charged like an extra 25 grand yeah to my insurance company and they still didn't tell me i said why does my right side hurt more than my left and they said oh (gasps) probably because we removed your appendix and it's like really that's like murder movie shit (laughs) you wake up in a bath of ice and you're like wait i've got a kidney missing perfectly healthy organ they removed. That's insane. And fast forward, you know, almost 19 years later, and I'm following functional medicine Mm -hmm. doctors, and uh, they're looking at the whole body as a system. (laughs) What was that? Someone proving that they've got a big penis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I once uh, rode on the bi- back of a bike. Mm-hmm. With <laughs> that's definitely it's a bike. Is- <laughs> <laughs> but he said that they rev the engine because it's so dangerous riding a bike mm. to alert uh, drivers in automobiles. That makes sense. That you're that there. you're coming. Yeah, that's smart. So we'll give the dude the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's, you're just a real safe guy. Great job, safe guy. Um, <laughs> so proud of you, safe guy. Um, so what was the first thought that popped into your head when they finally diagnosed you properly? Mm, God, I was just, I thought, well, I'm done for because it's taken so long. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember looking at a mascara that was still in the box. I had just bought it and... And I thought, this is going to be around longer than me. (gasps) And I just, you know, you start looking at everything like it's the last time. And um, I was just, you know, and even after I had the surgery and I found out that I was still, by the grace of God, in stage one Mm. and I was going to live, I was very bitter yeah. I was angry at the medical community. I was I felt betrayed by my own body. I felt compromised because the guy that I was with at the time, I actually for the first time in my life wanted to have his baby. I like totally wow. understood what it was when you were with someone that made you feel like I want to make a baby with this mm-hmm. dude. And then I, you know, that was taken away from me. And actually, while doctor number eight was doing the endometrial biopsy, she was telling me that we had to go to a um, a fertility doctor and freeze an embryo because mm-hmm. I had like five minutes of fertility left, mm-hmm. which of course was furthest from the truth. But, um, and then... You know, I said, freeze my ovaries if they're not diseased, thinking maybe 
I would somehow harvest the egg from them Uh and do it later on. But uh, I was in such a tailspin for a long time. And then me and the dude broke up. And I just... During remission? Two years later. Okay. I was going to say, what a piece of shit. No, no. He was a living saint. Okay. Truly. Yeah. Nobody has a bad word to say about him. He was really great. And, you know, I've, I've shared this story before, but he, when he was in college, the girlfriend that he had then, because he was 16 years my junior, mm-hmm. um, her sister was murdered. And her reaction was to push him away. Mm-hmm. And he tried a few times to get close to her, but it was upsetting her, and he just let her be what she needed to do. Mm-hmm. But subsequent to that, he spent a lot of time processing that and making a promise to himself that if he's ever in a relationship again and the woman is in trouble, mm-hmm. he's not going to let her push him away, but actually wow. help her. And I was the recipient of wow. that promise. Oh, my God. And I know. He quit his job. He moved in. He was my caregiver. He was the first, the last person I saw before I got wheeled into mm-hmm. the uh, operating room. And the first person I saw when I woke up. Oh, I see. I would go to like the negative place with this that Charlotte and I are always like, oh, we improved those guys and then other women reap the benefits. <laughs> but like there, there's other well, women reaping the benefits. That's actually a yeah. good thing. That's a nice it's thing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't even look at any relationship through that lens Mm-mm. because I think that all relationships, but particularly intimate relationships, are there totally to give us a mirror into ourselves. Who we are at the moment. And what we need to work on. Yeah, yeah. And what we need to reflect on after it runs its course. Mm -hmm. It's never a mistake. Mm -hmm. It just will run its course. And then it's time for you to either uh, get back into yourself alone Mm -hmm. for a while and then when the next person enters, it's because it's the next lesson. Total. That's what we were talking about, your other ex-husband and how that relationship right. was like really tumultuous and stuff. But you were like, I learned so much and I like wouldn't trade I it for anything. I learned a lot from him and a lot about myself because yeah. of him. Yeah. And I have nothing but gratitude for the experience, as painful as it was at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived mm-hmm. and learned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean... That's what growth is. That's why they call it growing pains. Yeah, because it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. But, you know, you get over it. You live. I was thinking, too, like, you you said he's, like, so interesting and smart and stuff, and, like, you had great conversations, but... Oh, was that the dog? Oh, no. No, no. Yeah, that's very similar. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking, like, you're very, like, pro-LGBT, pretty liberal, and he seemed pretty right. Was that ever something that was difficult for you? He wasn't really right. No? Okay, sorry. No, he was um, actually prided himself on that. He was for the underdog, Mm. was for um, working people Mm -hmm. and uh, kids, Mm -hmm. education, stuff like that. He actually founded an organization that was all about encouraging kids, giving grants to kids that um, 
had a good idea mm-hmm. and mentorship to turn it into a little business. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's so similar to Cancer Schmancer too, because it really focuses on like the youth and like how they're going to. Well, that's be the what ones. connected us. Yeah. I mean, the first year was not only bliss, but it was like magnetic. Yeah. And very exciting and very passionate. And for that one year alone, Mm-hmm. The second year was agony, ecstasy, and the third year was just agony, but that's okay mm-hmm. because, you know, that's life. Yeah, we were also talking about how he couldn't deal with conflict, really, and it was, I thought, very interesting how he could just leave the house for weeks at a time at the drop of, like, an, like a difficult conversation. wired for conflict. I mean, look, some, <laughs> men, some men will stay but hit you. mm and he just walked out. That was so his coping in, mechanism. Yes. And in some ways, I mean, I'd rather have that than somebody that's mm. violent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the interesting thing that that was my opportunity was in the very beginning, I was in excruciating pain. Why did I say this? Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? Why isn't he calling me back? What if something happened to him? And all of this. So I was kind of in my head, mm-hmm. making the experience even worse for yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, then Spiraling. I started um, seeing this shaman who I, I said, I feel like my guts are being scraped out with a fork. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, that's because you're filling yourself from the outside in with someone. Mm. And you can never do that. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're going to disappoint you because they come into the relationship with their own baggage and their own issues and their own coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And it's like you have to fill yourself with you and rely on you to get you through stuff and not an outside person to fill you. Totally. So I said, okay, well, I've heard that a million times, haven't you, girls? Yeah, yeah. it's just so much easier said than done. Exactly, but he gave me the tool. Yeah, what is it? I'm going to tell it to you oh right now. <laughs> Changes everything. <laughs> Yay. So he, he said to me, every time you feel that angst, you say to yourself, I love you, Fran. I know how special you are. It's Fran and Fran till the end of time. Mm -hmm. Now he said, you might have to say that 30 times a day in the beginning. Mm -hmm. The minute I said it the first time, I felt better Mm -hmm. because it puts it all into context. Yeah. It's Fran and Fran till the end of time. It's me and little Fran that Mm -hmm. I take by the hand and we're on our journey of our soul's self-refinement. Yeah. And everybody else is just there to help us get through it with as, you know, as much uh, lessons learned as Mm -hmm. possible. So once I started saying that, I started to fill myself with me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so happy with me. I'm not even really that hungry to be with someone else. <laughs> You're dating Fran. Exactly. I'm in a relationship yeah. with myself and it's going quite well. She's your best friend. But I exactly. <laughs> She's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she buys all the food that I like. I we know. watch the same shows. It's amazing. She thinks yeah, I'm very funny. She funny. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we calm each other down. Mm-hmm. And reassure each other that we're never alone. Mm-hmm. I used to do like, I mean, I think a lot of people, we say negative things to ourselves and it's much easier to do that. And like, sometimes I'll catch myself in the mirror and I'll, I'll go, Remy, use your calendar. And then mirror me will be like, I don't want to use my calendar. And then I'm like, come on, you do this to us. We're all that we have. <laughs> <laughs> like make our life easier. So like, I <laughs> I mean, maybe my version's more psychotic, but you <laughs> no, have to be I talk nice to, to my yourself. Organs. Do you? Absolutely. I and thank, thank them. them. Yeah. Doing a good job. And then sometimes when I have to do something dramatic as an actor, and I've done it several times in my career, it's obviously not the thrust of my career, but this movie that's, you know, been at the Tribeca Film Festival is totally dramatic. And mm-hmm. my mother is dying and I have to, as an actor, kind of use my fear of my own mother passing yeah. to inform my performance. So it's honest and it's nothing that I would want to do all the time because, you know, you got to get yourself into mm-hmm. like a pretty gnarly mindset. But the, I would say to my body, like I'd shake it off immediately. I don't understand any actor that's like, you know, they like stay in their character and whatever that is nonstop seems very unhealthy. And I would say to my body, we're just play acting. Mm. It's all good. We're not unhappy Don't at worry, all, everyone. Really. We're, we're all going to be home soon. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to be good at it, but it's all good. I don't want you to feel like this is real in any way. Mm-hmm. It's make-believe. And I would just tell my body that because I don't want anything internally to be automatically triggered yeah. mm-hmm. because I'm tricking my body into thinking that I'm really a mess. Totally. And, uh, you know, we do trick our bodies. That's why you should never, ever use artificial sugar substitutes. Oh, yeah. Because you trick your body into be- Making thinking more you're having sugar. Yeah. And that's how you become insulin resistant. Yeah. There's a lot of cancer schmancer things I learned, like t- tips and lessons from Just the from video on. Oh, good. From yeah. our dinner. Yeah. But on the, the video, video on be the, the change. Yeah. It's all your listeners should go to cancershmancer.org and click on be the change. It's so good. It with teaches Jamie Fox. With Jamie Fo- yeah. And it teaches you not just like how to save your body from cancer, but also how to be like cognizant of saving the world um, and being biodegradable and stuff. And it kind of just like focuses on that we are kind of one organism and we have to like take care of all of us. But I was just thinking like, oh, toothpaste, oh, body wash. Look at me by being bad at hygiene. I've been actually really safe and good for the planet. (laughs) I'm disgusting. Um, (laughs) You don't look disgusting. Thank you. Everybody needs to watch the video because like we could talk about it. It's a half hour. Just sit down watch it go to cancerschmancer.org slash be the change funny yeah informative and free it's free and it's great um you so you're a a, a double survivor i am that's true you've survived cancer you had an entire chapter in your book bad things happen to good people about how you were assaulted by an armed robber in 1985 with a friend and a lot of other survivors have you signed that chapter because it meant so much for them to like nobody else was talking it like we have the me too movement now but like there was that old school thing of like okay yeah that shitty thing happened to you but like you don't you're not allowed to talk about it yeah i you know i 
never felt like that was the right path for me to take. Mm. I always felt like part of my surviving bad things is to be able to use it to help other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, turning pain into purpose is very healing and helps to make sense out of the senseless. So, you know, we say bad things happen to good people and no one leaves this planet unscathed. Mm -mm. It's part of the experience. Did you and the friend that it happened with talk about it immediately after like oh the rape yeah like most people i think are are actually alone during an experience like that like was it did that make it easier to talk about or more difficult it was me my girlfriend and my ex-husband he was was my husband he was there and he was just immediately tied up and um you know blindfolded and gagged and uh and then it was just me and judy and uh, we were both raped, and there were two brothers, and one was a rapist, and the other one was burglarizing us, filling up my car with all my shit. So, you know, that was very traumatizing, and I felt like I was a mirror of myself that was cracked mm-hmm. in a million pieces. It took about a year I to can't. really feel somewhat whole but never the same. And um, I didn't know and yet they found too. him. They found them both. So that you got some closure. kind of closure, which so many people never, never get. ever get. And until that happened, I, you know, was seeing him on every street corner. Every time I mm-hmm. turned a corner across the street or saw somebody, I, th- I my heart would start beating. I think, is that him? Is that, you know. So I really feel for victims yeah. where their assailant is never apprehended. Totally. I I just think about get, getting sexually back in touch with yourself. I know that... Well, I have to say that, and I write about this in the book too. He, your husband helped. He did help. Yeah. And um, the first time we had sex was maybe two weeks after the incident. And um, I think he could tell as my eyes were closed and he was on top of me. It was just very basic, Mm -hmm. slow, easy. And I must have been contorting my face. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said to me, open your eyes. It's me. Mm -hmm. It's me. I love you. Open your eyes. Your best friend. And I had my eyes open the whole time. and. You know, he brought me back into my body and out of my head. Mm-hmm. You guys have such an interesting relationship because I know that, like, you lovingly refer to him as your gay ex-husband. But yeah. I, I don't, I don't, as somebody who's dated gay? many gays, <laughs> no, no, but I don't believe that anyone Friends is. like, trust me, he's gay. No, no, no. I believe he's gay, but I believe he's a little straight too. He's never been in a long-term relationship subsequent to me. Mm. Never. Right. I think that he has now, you know, look, this is who knows. He is obviously attracted to men. Right. So that makes him gay. Yeah. But I think that there's all different shades to Mm -hmm. the human sexual experience. I do too. Uh, Whether you lean in the straight but 
still feel like, you know, you may have experimented or be attracted or just something about you Mm -hmm. is a little more androgynous. Who knows? Mm -hmm. There's all different, you know, colors to the rainbow Mm -hmm. and to the spectrum of, of human sexuality Mm -hmm. so was your husband i mean you guys got together when you were 15 does that mean he was your first sexual experience i would say pretty much i mean i i did have a couple of boyfriends before him but um jealous i think i was more or less still a virgin Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so basically no (laughs) (laughs) i was a virgin by Queen standards. Okay. <laughs> yeah. By queen standards. <laughs> I love it. And I love you guys, In not that you're ever going to be here, but the password is flushing <laughs> for the internet. It's amazing. <laughs> but we don't use 5G because that is 5G, unsafe. I wouldn't know. I'm not going to go no. that route. Um, Rem. Yes. Can we take a quick break? Yes. Because we're going to take a quick break. Hold on one second. Okay, we're back at our nanny's house because we didn't want to do this in front of Fran. Yeah, she, oh, she's so great. She's, she's on a roll. She's so great. Oh. I couldn't, I couldn't. But can we talk about how chill she is too? She let me smoke a joint in her house. I honestly like, can't get over. Like Fran only smokes organic weed. She's been on the record as saying this. We never got to it like in the actual recording, but... She's a big proponent of relaxing and weed. And so I brought a joint to her house and I was like, uh, Fran, would you mind if I smoke on the balcony? She's like, why would you go outside? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm smoking a joint in Fran Drescher's house. There's nothing more relaxing than just like not having to go outside. You could just smoke from your bed. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I think our nanny and me are very similar to this nanny. And <laughs> we love chilling in our bed. And we like to, what did Nan say? We like to take it easy. There's no better place to take it easy than your bed. If it's a fucking Helix. Oopt, whooped, <laughs> I love my Helix mattress. Can we talk about your Helix mattress? Because you are the one that started all of this wonderful sleeping. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never been passionate about a mattress before. And I feel like insane every time I talk about it. Because obviously they sponsor this. Yeah. But only because we I were so upset. <laughs> yeah. And actually, okay, so do you remember, I'm not going to say which met- mattress, but it was a hotel bed that yep. I was obsessed with mm-hmm. forever. Forever. Forever, forever, because like they sell this entire bed as like a set or whatever. I, w- I went on a teen tour and they were using the bed and I bought that mattress. And do you know what I did with that mattress? I gave it away for my new Helix mattress. Literally didn't even sell it. Didn't Just sell like, it. Just gave it. it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's still a great mattress, but I was like, it's it doesn't undeniably compare. worse than your Helix. I know. And my Helix now. It's unreal. I've never slept better. And I just thought it was amazing, too, how they have been given literal awards for being the best mattress for sex, mm-hmm. which is true, yep. I believe. From your experiments. In my experiments in the lab. And my experiments, too. <laughs> it's supportive and firm, but also squishy i don't know it i can't also, even describe it like 
I know that mine has gotten like it started more firm and I was like down for that because I was like Helix is going to tell me like you take that two minute sleep quiz and it tells you what the perfect thing is for your body. And like I always thought I needed like a cushy cloud mattress or whatever. And so when it arrived, it was a little harder than I expected. And I was like, okay, but I trust you, Helix. Like I'm going to go with this. And it was a great night's sleep then. But since then, it has adjusted to my body. Yeah. And just gotten better. Like Ben and I were both saying we were like, it just keeps getting better. It's kind of like how most women are wearing the wrong bra size. Yeah. You know? And we should do an episode on that too because I just bought crazy. like six bras online. I just put on a bra that I had like a year ago and it's not even just the wrong back size. Like it's the wrong cup size. Like we... Yeah, we don't know. Helix is the perfect bed. It's a perfect bra. Yeah. <laughs> like, and when you're ready to take off your bra at the end of the day and really relax because that's when relaxing begins. Literally. Go sit down on your Helix mattress. Yeah. Oh, you don't have one? Ha <laughs> ha. Let's fix that. You know where to go. Helixsleep.com slash how come. They're offering up to $125 off of all mattress orders. Mm-hmm. Do repeat that, Remy. $125 off all mattress orders and you can use our promo code. Uh, you just go to helixsleep.com slash how come. I guess you don't even have to put in the promo code. You just go to that address. Um, again, that's $125 off of every order. Helixsleep.com slash how come. You're going to have the best sleep of your life. And um, if you don't like it, which you will, so I don't know why we have to say this part, but they have a... a uh, 10-year warranty. 10-year warranty and 100 days to return it. Yep. Uh, Risk-free. Risk-free. 100 nights. Yeah. That is so many nights. So you're going to love it. I love how it's 100 nights. I'm like, it's 100 nights and also daytimes because I never leave my bed. (laughs) (laughs) But literally get one and tell us what you think. Yeah. And then go to Fran Drescher's house and smoke a joint. Um, shall we get back to Fran? Let's get back to Fran. I miss her already. I'm so excited for this part too. I know. I, you know, it's funny because I rarely, I mean, I rarely talk about that when I was a cashier at a movie theater Mm -hmm. as a teenager selling tickets, somebody came right into my booth with a gun (gasps) and a paper bag to fill up, you know, from my cash register and the bag dropped. And I never even realized how traumatized I was. Yeah. But every time someone came a little too close to my booth after that, I'd literally pee in my pants. Oh my god! And uh, and in hindsight, now that I have such so much more insight and I understand the ramifications of trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, I realize that we I live I come from a very provincial place and have provincial parents, Mm -hmm. and nobody really spends a great deal of time digging into how anything impacts you right and did they did they ever talk about stuff that was going to happen either like was it an open household if you wanted to have like a sex talk or like talk about masturbation or anything like i think we were not uptight about any of that okay. stuff and i even smoked pot in front of my parents mm-hmm. And they were pretty cool about all that stuff. And I think maybe also because I was like such a bend over backwards, goody, goody, Mm. that, I mean, I never really did hard drugs. I'd only smoke pot and I was got great grades Mm -hmm. and I would rather hang with my parents on a Friday night than go out or, you know, be with friends sometimes, most of the time. But then they wouldn't think that therapy or talking about some of the events that happened to you would be beneficial? No, 
That wasn't their generation. My sister had some bouts of sickness growing up, and it cast a very dark Mm -hmm. um, energy on the whole family, fear Mm -hmm. mostly, what was going to happen. And and I was uh, shuffled from house to house after school if she had to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember once I had a bathroom pass in elementary school, I think it was. And I saw my mother running through the halls like a maniac Mm -hmm. with rollers in her hair. Mm -hmm. And I, what happened? And, you know, is my sister, you know, had a, a, like passed out in her school, in her class. So uh, it was difficult. And nobody ever asked how little Fran was coping with this. That's crazy. I was a child. Yeah. And I saw my mom crying and asking the doctor, is she going to die? Is she going to die? And it's like, so, you know, to answer your question, no. 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 But it's interesting that, like, because we say old school, that even people who are open about talking about most things are kind of cool with, you know, recreational drug use, like still wouldn't see the benefits of talking about trauma and... Mental health is still very... I had a conversation with somebody in our family the other day who was like, why would you tell like that person that you're in therapy? And I was mm-hmm. like, why would I not? Yeah. I've gotten that too. Or why like, do you even need therapy? Or why? after I had my abortion and I told like a friend about it, like someone was like, don't tell people. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? Don't tell people. You have to tell people so that other people can be educated and feel normal and not feel like alone. They're the only alone person that this thing happened mm-hmm. to that. They're like an idiot or something um, Absolutely. or broken. I'm, I'm a big believer in, and you know, like just being open mm-hmm. unapologetically. What I like too, is like you it's have very in- clean to live that way too, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Secrets is a killer. Yeah. It, it, it is secrecy is not your friend. Mm-hmm. There's no that also is, and it doesn't help anybody else. Like I mean, I was still in the hospital, and I was outed in the tabloids that I had cancer, and I burst into tears because I had not fully wrapped my mind around yeah. it, and I wasn't even sure how I wanted to um, put it out there. Mm-hmm. And it was done for me, which ended up being a favor because once it was out, there was no turning back. So I had to just, you know, play the hand that was dealt me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that just thrust me into becoming even more outspoken about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, but now you've started this whole thing and helped so many other people. Isn't it interesting how life works? Yeah. Um, Were you sexually in touch with yourself as a child? You know, I think, uh, again, I'm a different generation from you, mm-hmm. and uh, I was, but I remember my mom would pass my room and say, Fran, what are your hands doing under the blanket? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what's it in her business? <laughs> you know, but... You'd be like, you want some tips, mom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that there was that old school thought that girls shouldn't be sexual. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I was a victim of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always was kind of sexy mm-hmm. and flirtatious. Mm-hmm. 
and had boyfriends and stuff like that. I was attracted to everybody when I was four. <laughs> I was giving sexy eyes from the stroller. My mom was like, stop that. <laughs> I was weird. attracted at five <laughs> to Stephen Galeotto in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And Shout uh, out to Stephen. I don't know where Stephen <laughs> is. I doubt he's going to be listening to this. But <laughs> You never uh, know. Hi, Stephen. We <laughs> were both know. in kindergarten. And then I was invited to his birthday party. Mm-hmm. And his mom served White Castle. And for whatever reason, I got so sick that I a never had another White Castle again. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm sure people like them in, in Saturday Night Fever, which is a movie I was in, that's all they ate. You can in get a bag of burgers. Yeah, <laughs> What's more burgers. wonderful than that? <laughs> square burgers. And they have holes in them, I think. But anyway, then I stopped liking him because I didn't feel good after his birthday. <laughs> so you associate him with puke now. Exactly. Yeah. And White Castle. And I will White never Castle. think of Stephen Galeotto without thinking of White Castle. Oh, amazing. No. But I but think... But self-pleasure, how dare. I know. Well, that was a different school. I yeah. think the mentality is still there. I think it's changing now. I mean, we're trying our best. We're trying. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. I didn't masturbate for a really long time. I didn't have my first orgasm until 28. Like, yeah, I don't know it, how guilty I would feel if I had. Did you? Were but you, did you have to find your fantasy that gets you no, mojo going? No, I had going? to find a toy that did it. Oh. Yeah. So that puts your boyfriend at a disadvantage. No, toys, it helps. It well, helps because now ha- we use it together and now it like makes me... You use me, it together, but no, he but can't it, do it manually. He will be able to soon. Really? Yeah, because I'm learning how I to do it myself. I purposely steer clear of some of those really? stimulators because it's like then, you know... It's all about when you start is the thing. Like, so hand fran. Yeah, I'm, I'm. look, I'm really like earthy. Right, but masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we always ask everybody the first time that you came. It's been my experience that once you get dependent on the toys, then, you know, you're not going to get off with just a normal man. We were just talking with Mm -hmm. um, this awesome sex toy company and the head of it was saying how really it's how you start. Like the first time you come is going to sort of lay the foundation of... Mm-hmm. Every time after that, so yeah. if it's with a hand, a lot of things. Then you're probably going to do it like you start to see your own hand as a sexual thing. It's already totally. like priming you, which which I never did because right. like for years it just wasn't mm-hmm. working. And then it just takes literally muscle memory and your neural pathways. Those neural talk pathways. About just, yeah. But what you, do you don't again. think about something that gets your mojo going? I'm always horny. That's not the problem. It's like the no, act- not not that, <laughs> but to get yourself to the point of climax it's just a physical thing but i think oh. i've actually been working like with all these like wind technology toys and like different vibration things too like i'm getting i'll be able to be on a desert island with the hand eventually <laughs> <laughs> it gets easier it gets over time. better yeah. yeah um do you I remember mean, the first time at- first time i don't think i do remember i mean i felt I think the first time I was penetrated, I thought, "Mm, this is kind of (laughs) nice. But I don't really remember the first orgasm specifically, but I've absolutely never had a problem with that. But I do 
you know, work some reliable scenarios in my head. Mm-hmm. I need to know what some of these are. And is, uh, it a, is it a real spank bank, like from things in your life that you're remembering or? Uh, no, 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 it's made up. But the thing is, the second husband started verbalizing things that I would run in my head. Ooh. Yeah. And I opened my eyes and thought, did you just say that? Uh-huh. But stuff that you'd never even said to him before? No. He just kind of intuited it? That's crazy. Well, it was his style. Yeah. So, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, most of the time we're like, tell people what you want. But if you can get somebody who can just read your mind. <laughs> oh, my God. That's cool. You're on the same page. Yeah. The the gay ex-husband. Do you guys have premarital sex? Was that like a an yes. okay? Okay. Yeah, we did. Did did you tell your parents or was it in high school? Uh yeah, it was I guess in our senior year. Mm-hmm. And then our freshman year of college, we were you know, rabbits. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, we were we had a lot. We were alone a lot. Mm-hmm. And did you go to the uh, same college? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. And then we dropped out together, and then we went to uh, beauty culture school together. Wow! Because we were actors, and we started to work, so it was like the college thing was just getting in our way. And mm-hmm. the beds are so small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even go away to college. I walked to college. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it was nice, but. Again, it was that thing that I just, you know, like, like being home with my parents. Mm. I didn't want to schlep into the city. I didn't want to move away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that would have changed me. I'm sure exponentially, but. Yeah. Um, was it weird ever being a sex icon? Because you were. Yeah. And are still, I mean. Um, I wish you guys could see this. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. Um, I, I think. Makes um, me want to put together a skincare regimen. I mean, I, I, I always enjoyed that the nanny was sexy and Mm -hmm. people were into the physicality of my character because it wasn't all there was to her. Mm -mm. She was really funny. Yeah. And there was great pratfalls in physical comedy. Mm-hmm. And she was breaking ground in other ways. She was the first Jewish character played by a Jewish actress in prime time since Molly Goldberg did it in 1948. Mm-hmm. And me as a human being and a person, I I was the creator, executive producer. I was a writer. I sometimes directed. So... I was, there were so many things that that a show and that character gave me that I never felt diminished Mm -hmm. by the fact that she was also sexy. She was never trashy. She was sexy, but she was also a nanny and, uh, and she was a nice girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a girl from Queens. She was hot, but it wasn't the only thing about her. She's not Kelly Bundy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah. yes i mean and i love uh, kelly bundy but it's a different character i loved also in an interview you had said that someone very early on said that your voice was going to be like the end of your career mm. 
And yeah, that was one of my high school teachers. Yeah. An idiot. (laughs) Well, I know because even Peter, who was a kid my age, knew that that with that face was exactly what was going to catapult me to stardom. Mm -hmm, Because it makes you approachable too. You're the every woman who just happens to be stunning. And there's a long history of pretty funny comedians Mm -hmm. in movies that, um, you know, and on television like Lucille Ball. Well, you get compared to her a lot. I do, and I'm 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 always honored and flattered Mm -hmm. by that. Yeah, you both are both very special ladies. I can't believe we got to have you on this podcast. I know. Um, I laughed so hard in your stand-up because you were on Funny Women of a Certain Age with Carol Montgomery on Showtime. And you and made she's it- going to be at the cruise, too. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Best day ever. <laughs> um, but you were saying, you were like, yeah, I have terrible gaydar because when we both um, talked about our celebrity hall passes, he asked for Cher and I asked for Bruce Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that it was Cher. I, I know. love that it was Cher. <laughs> That's, that goes under the category of how did you not know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also love too, you were like, I was a gay icon before. And then when my husband came out as gay, I got bumped up to Judy Garland's status. <laughs> I was like, That's the most true thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Um, how has stand-up been going? Like, you're just very naturally good it. at it. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I'm always, look, I, I think I have a little bit of an advantage to be able to enjoy it because mm-hmm. I'm not like standing online waiting to get an open mic mm-hmm. anywhere at 11 o'clock at mm-hmm. night. Um, and, uh, so I just kind of skipped over all that. Yeah. And I am a writer and I am in the business of Fran Drescher for a really mm-hmm. long time. So I know how to do that. And I have a lot of great comedy writers who have been writing for my brand of comedy mm-hmm. a long time too. So the collective has made for a very, uh, I think, nice set. And uh, very smooth transition. I was just telling you before my boyfriend and I were watching it together and he was like, oh, we should watch some of her earlier stuff. And I'm like, there isn't any. (laughs) This is it. This is her debut. Like, how cool is that? It's just so effortless. I love it. Um, And I love that you're inspired by Ellen. I I love Ellen and that English. Hannah Gadsby. Hannah Gadsby. Yeah. Is great, and I like the most recent Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. But Ellen, to me, is and you know, I mean, I've gone to see Margaret Cho, I've gone to see Kathy Griffith, but um, I must say that um, it's the ones that craft a well-told, arcing mm-hmm. set. That also includes meaningful subject matter, yeah. told with humor, but not oh, not being afraid to go to some dark places. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are the best women comics because they're redefining what stand-up comedy is for the woman. Right. Uh, very often women are still doing what the men do. Mm-hmm. And I think that because we're women, um, it's nice to incorporate pathos, Mm -hmm. feelings, Mm -hmm. a true life experience that's, you know, really uh, deeper, Mm -hmm. has a little more gravitas 
to it. And then, you know, you give the audience the opportunity to laugh again. Mm-hmm. You know, you what take I them thought, on a ride. When I, uh, what I thought was annoying after Hannah Gadsby's special one like special of the year was a lot of male comics were like, Oh my God. Like she talks about like trauma and stuff and this isn't comedy or whatever. Yet no one has a problem with Neil Brennan's three mics, which has, which I love and I would never shit on Mm -hmm. ever. Neil is brilliant, but it has equally dark content and storytelling and stuff. But it's just like, we don't, we don't necessarily want to hear this from a woman's perspective or something like that. And it's and it is such great, meaningful, important stand up. People yeah, they try to put the word stand up in a box too, as if you can't make it emotional or make mm-hmm. it important. It's supposed to be emotional. It usually comes from an emotional place. Absolutely. And holy hell, she's hysterical. Well, you know, I think that a lot of guys a lot of guys would um, you know, talk politics and try and open the conversation up that way. Mm. But, um, you know, just being a woman in a man's world Mm -hmm. is political. Mm -hmm. And so for us to share our story is in a way our version of that. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that women can be threatening to some men, some men, Exactly. Yes. And those may be the ones that decide to put down the type of stand-up that Hannah would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, that's just exemplary of everything that women have had to deal with and continue to mm-hmm. have to deal with. Um, we brought up that article last season, um, Why Men Don't Like Funny Women. But mm-hmm. it's ultimately, it's not all men don't like funny women. It's the men that aren't smart as as smart are not going to like them because they feel threatened and being funny is a sign of being smart. Yeah, it's also um there's the study that's super interesting about what we look in prospective partners mm. and um when they ask people we all say we like someone with a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But what that means yes. to a woman is very different than what that means to a man mm-hmm. and what it means to a woman is someone who makes funny jokes. What it means to a man is someone who laughs at my jokes. Very different. Very different. And not all people are like that. Not all women will have that preference. Not all men will have that preference. Mm -hmm. But I think it's slowly starting to shift. And I think people who have higher Mm self-esteem genuinely appreciate someone that can make the jokes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that you're like a great sign of someone with great self-esteem too, because like you, you started everything on your own. You literally, you just entered one pageant you got second <laughs> place, right? And then called a bunch of agents and then just... Told them I was the winner. Told, you, told them you were the winner <laughs> and then had a career, a massive career. Well, timing was good because when I was first coming out on the scene and I was a teenager, there were a, New York characters were very popular. Mm. It was the Sweat Hogs and Welcome Back Connor with John Travolta. Mm-hmm. It was Happy Days with the Fonz. You know, and then there were all those movies like Diner and um, uh, American Graffiti and uh, Laverne and Shirley on yeah. TV. And it, it, there was a plethora of of uh, that genre. Mm-hmm. And I kind of slipped right into that. Mm-hmm. And you co-created it, which I don't think a lot of people, like the nanny I'm saying, no, I, just, yeah. I just skipped ahead in my I brain. I know. It started right <laughs> up here in my head and I called Peter 
And I said, I think I thought of the idea that we should pitch to CBS. What do you think about a spin on The Sound of Music only instead of Julie Andrews? I come to the door. Mm Mm-hmm. And he thought for just a second, he's got an excellent sense for these things. This is and your gay ex husband. We haven't called him Peter yet. FYI, companions. <laughs> the gay ex husband, Peter. Yeah. Uh, he said, that's it. That's the one we're going to pitch mm-hmm. you. When you come home, we'll develop it. It's amazing. It is. It is. Yeah. It's, in- it's great you to be able to have. You got a carpe diem, though. I ran into the president of the network on the plane. Mm-hmm. And it was like I knew. Mm-hmm. It was an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. Well, Charlotte, and I wasn't going to get in my way. Charlotte always says that once I, I found my orgasm and ability to speak up in the bedroom, I could speak up more in the boardroom too. That means like you probably got your power from orgasming pretty early in life. <laughs> you know, I'm all over the orgasm. Like, <laughs> uh, when I had the hysterectomy... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything gets removed, including the cervix. Right. And um, I didn't really know what I was going to be left with in terms of how well mm-hmm. that mechanism was going to work. But, you know, thank God it worked great. And, no, <laughs> and no man will ever can ever feel your cervix. I was going to say that. So have to be like for, for any partner of mine... It, they would not know any difference mm-hmm. at all. You know, um, moist, tight as a drum, all good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> orgasm, no problem. So then the oncologist said, if you did brachiotherapy, which is radiating the vaginal cuff, mm-hmm. it will increase your chances of non-recurrence. Okay. But I was already given 95% non-recurrence. Mm-hmm. And this is ni- almost 19 years ago. So there wasn't what's available online today. But me and my assistant and some friends really honkered down on the computers searching for information about this type of therapy. And the effects. And the side effects, yeah. right. And there suddenly we found what was essentially a chat room Uh of women saying nobody ever said that you would have these side effects. The skin is very thin. I bleed easily. It's often painful. It's very brittle. You have to, if you don't have sex for a week, you must use a dildo to keep stretching it Mm. because shrinking is a problem. And I said, oh, my God. Thank God I found this because there's no way in hell. And why wouldn't a doctor say that those, like they say a million side effects on a aspirin commercial. Why can't a doctor tell you this is going to severely affect your sex life going forward? Because Um, that's the great question. A lot of doctors have approached in the past health issues with women as this is only an issue if it affects your fertility. Right. Don't talk about pleasure, which is. Mm-hmm. Insane, mm-hmm. and you're, and you, I guess, right. even you assume, well especially point. assuming that a woman, quote unquote, of a certain age isn't sexually active, is just so fucking sexist. Because, like, you guys, Fran gets it. Mm. <laughs> Fran fucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's funny because I know I'm not a lesbian because I really like penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard you say this and I, Charlotte we and I, nodded. we nodded, we <laughs> were like, were like yep. we mm-hmm. also love to look at a penis, I love to watch what happens. 
Right. That's the thing. <laughs> People don't realize that an inanimate object doesn't have the same experience. But when I'm like, I'll open my eyes and look at this dude and see him mm-hmm. orgasming. And they all do it a little differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But I have Polaroids the, of the every face. <laughs> the noise, uh, the, the breathing. And then there's this, you know, pulsating mm-hmm. that happens. It's a living thing. Mm-hmm. And it's attached to a living, warm-blooded male animal that's inside you. And there's really nothing else quite like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure if you are completely repelled by it, then <laughs> a dildo is absolutely better probably. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we three are not repelled by it. Four of you include certainly certain. not repelled, not but I repelled. think guys have the same, uh, or at least the guys that we've talked to on this podcast have the same like love for like seeing a vagina get off and pulsate and change and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's nice to see a body part, but my friend wrote a joke about, um, strap ons today. Cause one of my friend Harrison Tweed shout out, I'm sorry, I'm going to rephrase this, but, um, he was like a lesbian said that she bets she could fuck better than me with a strap on all the time and he's like well yeah like you don't have to think about it staying up and being hard or whatever like you're gonna keep bowling like perfect scores if you're using bumpers (laughs) (laughs) but it's never gonna have that throbbing yeah we were just talking about that breathing Mm -hmm. you know changing directions or reina Greenberg from Girls Gotta Eat. She likes when a guy has like a, a big massive load. load and is like, I'm going to come <laughs> more than ever. I want to hear the plop in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, um, I had been with a person at one point and he really wanted me to finish before him. But I really like when a guy finishes because you can That's feel what it does grows. It for you. It, yeah. Mm. It, like it's a turn on. Interesting. And it feels better. It gets bigger right before. Ah. Yeah. Charlotte doing all this research for us, you guys. I'm just <laughs> in my lab. <laughs> in her lab, getting down. Uh, um, well, that's what makes the world go round, right? Yeah. Everybody, you know, I mean, uh, vive la différence. Oui, c'est très bien. Um, did Peter tell you about his first gay experience? Were you, like, involved in his evolution when he came out? Um. We were not speaking at that point. Okay. And that was his choice. Right. Because he was mad at you for ending it because he wanted to stay together. And he moved to New York, could not get far enough away from me. But when he found out through our mutual manager that I had cancer, he burst Mm -hmm. into tears. And in that moment, all of the anger melted away and all that was left was the love. That's nice. And from that point forward, we started to rebuild the relationship. And he'd already ha- established that. Life, I think kinda. that when the book was coming out, which is probably like a year and a half or two years after my surgery, he wanted to let me know mm-hmm. that he didn't want it me to be like surprised that he was in New York starting to date men. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he actually realized I must be gay was because someone wanted to fix him up with Sharon Stone. Mm -hmm. And And he he said, said, no. 
And he said, oh, my God, I must be gay. But, you know, it was that kind of subtle for Mm -hmm. him. I don't know. You know, again, everybody has a different, unique experience. And uh, his heart was for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he had to walk away from his whole life as he knew it to uh, be true to his, you know, orientation i do think you guys are which soulmates. is you have yeah, to be you could end up together no but just just in a way you could be soulmates with a friend or a yeah. you know it doesn't have to always it be doesn't romantic. have to be like your writing partners your best friends absolutely yeah. no we put it on another shelf mm-hmm. you know we're meant to experience this life together in yeah. one way or another mm-hmm. very often people get married because they fall in love and marriage seems like the next likely that's the thing to do. And then when it doesn't work out, I think that the mature thing is to say, well, you know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not what I need for a husband. But I that need you in the other case with capacity. Peter, but, you know, other women, you know, they feel angry because the guy wasn't there everything. Mm-hmm. They were a good friend in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then when they became a husband, there was more expectation put on them that they couldn't meet. And then a lot of resentment builds instead of saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't have gotten married. Yeah. But there is something there that made us think that. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should just cultivate that on a new shelf. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very um, modern thing, too, now. Like we used to see divorce as like a failure and like the end of a relationship as a failure. And so many people would feel guilty about it or whatever. But like it's just a life transition. and, And like you. You can't blame another person for not being your perfect match or growing out of being your perfect match because people change. Or even the conception of a perfect match. Like not everyone is going to be all things to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Even in friendships. Even mom, yeah. She used to she say, like, you have that. different friends for different mm-hmm. things. Like, one of her she's like, Jody, you can't tell secrets, but I love her for yoga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very outdoorsy, that Jody. Yeah. <laughs> Margaret Mead said she had a different man for every chapter in her life. Mm. The dude that, you know, she like kind of uh, started her career with out of college was not the guy she had children mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. not the guy that she grew older with mm-hmm. and uh you know a- a- every phase of her life she felt like it was time to move on to another man that was right for her then because mm-hmm. she was always evolving mm-hmm. there's um there's an ag- <laughs> there's an amazing joan didion quote um she says i've lost touch with so many people i used to be Oh, I love that. It's true, though, because you change so much yourself. You can't expect your partners to be the same Yeah, if you're changing. Mm -mm. I'll read my old diaries. I'll be like, you loser. I'd never hang out with you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't. You're not born all knowing. Mm -mm. That's what this playground is for. Yeah, to figure stuff out. Classroom. Mm -hmm. Sorry, there's a weird noise. You mean those... Screaming, Those screaming children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that noise? It's a child. <laughs> I know you had the moment, like after the hysterectomy, <clears throat> where you were like considering the possibility of children. Was that that was like the first time that you even cared? Yes. Which I would never ask a man, but like it is. 
a question. That, I really didn't want kids because yeah. I w- I had painted myself into this corner of being surrounded by needy people. Mm. And I knew that a kid would just take it over the top. Mm. Um, They're the neediest people. Totally. <laughs> and I was at that point like over it already. Yeah. Um, once I started to get healthier for myself and a little more well-rounded and I started bringing in other kinds of people into my life that were more independent or that I could actually learn from because mm-hmm. I gained insight into my issues and why I needed to be needed so much and all of this, I began to think, mm, should I have a kid? But even if I did, I would probably want to stop working. Yeah. And be like a full time mom. Yeah, you, you have would, so many other babies that you'd have to give you would up. Give yourself away completely. Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing I wrestle with is the line for me between taking care of myself in my head was always tied up with being selfish. Mm. But they're so not the same. Nope, they're not the same. And I think that's a huge great takeaway that self care is not selfish. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I had to learn that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can date Fran and you only have to buy the snacks that Fran likes and no mm, stupid exactly. Gerber food. Well, when Peter <laughs> and I split because we had been together so long, it was so incredible to think, what do I want to eat? Mm-hmm. And not ask, what are you in the mood for? Yeah. And and eat when I wanted to eat, mm-hmm. not when we were both hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or go to the restaurant I wanted to go to. Now what we both wanted to go everything is was like a negotiation we 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 exactly yeah. and it's just even to this day sometimes it'll you know like i'll be aware of the fact that i'm just kind of walking my ass into the kitchen to make myself something mm-hmm. and i make whatever i want yeah whenever i want yeah and it's not to say that i don't love being in a relationship and i do love taking care of a man I really love cooking for them and picking, buying clothes and, you know, making them happy. I like getting, using my celebrity to get them great, <laughs> you know, tickets for their favorite sports. But I think you're a people, please, like you like to make people happy. That's probably true too. Yeah. And I do like, my mom is very but you do love a catering penis. to her <laughs> husband, my yeah. father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think I, I, picked up on that Mm -hmm. i watched it you know my parents are still madly in love that's awesome so it was a tough act to follow Mm -hmm. certainly but also a great example example yeah of how two people could be Mm -hmm. and um you know they really live for each other and realize that the love that they share with each other and for their children is the most important part of this life experience. Mm-hmm. So I do sometimes question, did I miss the boat on having the kid thing? Mm. And it and and now it feels like it's really, you know, too late. But uh I I do feel like I help a lot of youngish you people. Do. Yeah. And uh I'm like an auntie mame. <laughs> you know, so that's my handle. You can adopt us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I'm cool and I have a schwa and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, I can 
I can mentor people. Yeah, we've I think through this podcast met more kick-ass women that like we never thought it was an option to not have a kid and not be looked at as like a failure as a woman. Mm-hmm. But we've met so many women that like they are mentors to so many people and they help out so many people that it's like you you did your job and you're yeah. very valid <laughs> and fulfilled and yeah, it makes it, it's it's inspiring to us that definitely it's an option to still be a fucking cool person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. You know, you can go your whole life and, uh, um, maintain your cool, mm-hmm. not be a sellout. Yeah. And, uh, walk the talk. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, can you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find cancer schmancer and how we can, uh, ev- everyone improve the world together? Well, cancerschmanza.org is a great place to go and sign up. It's free and you'll get all kinds of helpful tips and newsletters from me and hear about what we're doing and what you can, you know, get tickets for or, um, or, or click on right now. We have a great education movie called Be the Change with Jamie Foxx and Mm -hmm. Jeff Bridges and myself. Very viewer friendly and fast and fun and informative and free. And uh, hopefully I'll see some of you at the Cancer Schmanza Cabaret Dinner Cruise this June 24th in New York City. And then in October at the Fran Drescher Masterclass Health Summit in Los Angeles. And everything is organic food and we really want to wake you up, shake you up. (laughs) motivate you, educate you, you, and Mm -hmm. activate you. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for bringing up Cancer Schmanza because that's a very big um, part of my life. Yeah, well, you're doing very important work. As always, you can follow me at Remy Casimir, Charlotte at Sharkastic. Follow us both at How Come Podcast and go support us on the Patreon. Um, We always have extras there. I'm going to start posting some of my old diary entries and like old videos and there's stuff. so much good content there's, in there yeah um and we need this podcast to keep going and we need money for the podcast so we, we hate do. to ask you but just it would be meaningful there's also a really cool facebook group if mm-hmm. you are on the patreon and um, if we don't have time to respond to every message there are some really great discussions in there yep we also offer like if you pay 20 bucks a month you get a phone call with me or charlotte or both it's true um and a lot of people have been we've been having a lot of fun with those phone calls. so much so fun i want to have some more so go to patreon.com slash how come and donate some money or buy some rewards um yeah we love you love us back yeah love us back and if you can't afford that that is a-okay go on itunes and give us a five-star rating and also a review we know that doing five stars is like enough. But if you write a review, it really helps us go up to the top of the charts on iTunes. Then we can get even better guests, yeah. more funding, more ads, more how come for you guys. Um, we have to ask this to all of our uh, guests and anybody that we're having a sexual experience with, which this has been. Uh, Fran Drescher, did you finish? <laughs> <laughs> I finished. I squirted. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Too good. Too good. Remy, did you finish? I did. Charlotte, did you finish? Squirted all over the place. Amazing. (laughs) 
Was Samson, did you? you finish? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Samson's got a humping dog. Forget about it. <laughs> when I have a friend over, he goes right for the dog. Amazing. Yeah, he gets all horny. Well, Samson and Fran, thank you for coming. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on How Come. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, ladies. It's not you, it's me. I try so hard to finish honestly They say you'll know When you go all the way from A right down to O Oh no I think that i still got a ways to go Oh oh I'm sick of this and I have got to know How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Cause I can't do it by myself. I wanna just.